0: If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you now to turn them to Matthew chapter 6. If you've been attending a while, you know that we're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and our next text, the one that we're going to be looking at today, is uh, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. And as you're turning there, I want to echo uh, what Bert said about the, uh, the thing we're doing here tonight. Uh, and there 's I, I guess a few different ways I could try to encourage you to come I, I could I could tell you that there 's going to be like it 's a really good soup day, you, you know what I mean and we 're going to have soup together like it 's it's, it's fall it 's going to be windy and rainy by that time I, I think um, but i 'm not going to do that i 'm not going to talk about that i 'm not going to talk about the sweet time of fellowship that we, we will almost certainly have as we gather together as believers. Uh, I could do that, but i 'm not it 's always wonderful. Um, but I want to try to sell you to give up your evening to come to this uh, for a different reason altogether. And the reason I want to encourage you is to consider the glory of God in Bulgaria. I, I just want to encourage you to think about God being magnified among Bulgarians and, and the, like, the reality that most of us will not have an opportunity to, to really like, pour into Bulgarians to go there, to learn their language, to be a part of their culture, and to preach the gospel to them. I, I've, I've been there, a few of you have been there, but to, to, to be there long term, that's a different thing. And to be able to really, really pour in. But we can have an impact through Ross and through Lubolf. And I'm so excited to hear them share tonight. And I want you to come, I want to encourage you to be here. It'll be a really wonderful time, and we'll have an opportunity to hear their vision and to stand behind them and to pray for them and to um, send them out, um, at least at least from here. So I want to encourage you to be a part tonight for the glory of God among the nations, uh, specifically in Eastern Europe. All right, so our text today is, again, Matthew six nineteen through 21. So the word of God says, do not lay up for yourselves, verse 19 here, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's go back to the Lord and pray for his help. Father, we... uh, we, we come to you now knowing uh, that we need the perspective of your word to shape our perspectives. It is easy for us to see this life as all there is. It is easy for us to want to invest all we can in what we see around us. Lord, I, I pray that you would shape through your word our perspective on life and everything, everything. Everything. Lord, I pray that we would, we would leave here just knowing the truth of this passage, that this world is passing away it's, and, and, and the riches of this world are fleeting. But treasures in heaven are forever, never ending, always satisfying please help me to preach this well this morning. You know my weaknesses, you, even right now this morning. I, I, I pray that this would not just like be impressive or be a good sermon. I pray that your spirit would work so that you would people would be changed. The gospel would be believed. Idols would be abandoned. It's not a work of it. Preacher, that's the work of your word and your spirit at work in us. I pray for open hearts this morning. I pray that we would listen and we would want to receive your word spoken, written to us. And for those who are here this morning in various struggles, going through various trials, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them this morning through the fellowship of the saints, through your word, the hope of the gospel, the hope of eternal life, and Lord, I just pray that you would work here among us in Jesus name. Amen. So when I first moved to siberia i've I think I've told this story here before, but it's been a long time, and I think it's helpful for this maybe helpful i don't know but um i I moved, when I first moved to Siberia. I, I, I leased an apartment. You think of Siberia. Somebody told me this morning we were talking about Siberia, and they said I, I, what I think of is, like, really remote, super cold, very rural. Um, but I actually lived in a big city uh, there, five five 500,000 people. And I signed—and it is it is very cold. That part's right. <laughs> but I signed a, a lease on a really run-down apartment um, that I thought I'd fix up a bit. I went there as a single guy, you know. Uh, I I knew I was going to get married— and so I rented this apartment and, you know, kind of made an agreement with the landlord that I would do a few upgrades or whatever. I upgraded it uh, like crazy. My and I got married. Uh, we, we were going to move into that place. We did move into that place. But long story short, I dropped a sizable amount of cash on that place, like uh I'm almost ashamed to think about it now. Like it was a million years ago, but I, I refinished the floors, I painted the walls, I had bars installed on the windows and the balcony door. I had, I even had a security door. These are all typical things that people do when they buy an apartment. They, they do all these upgrades, right? They, I made everything look nice. I wanted a, a nice place for my new bride. I wanted us to enjoy a nice little apartment. Uh, and we, we did, we, moved, we got married, we moved in. It was a beautiful apartment. We really enjoyed it for all of six months. Uh, when the lease expired, the landlady paid us a visit. You know, I t- told her everything we were going to do and all that stuff, but she wanted to see it herself. And she decided, she, this is, this is kind of how Russia works sometimes, but she decided, right? When she, she, she said, you know, I was charging you for a rundown apartment. This is a really nice apartment. I should charge you a much higher rent, you know? And so she like tripled the rent right there, you know? And so we we're like, okay, we, this, this isn't going to work. And so we moved out when the lease was up and all my time and all my money and all that it, it, that goes into that, all was a total loss, right? And it was kind of stupid that I had done that. I, I, I can never get those resources back right? They're gone. We, we, we barely enjoyed them. And now they're a total loss, total waste. And my mistake is all the other missionaries pointed out to me is that is something you do to apartments you own. It's not something you do to an apartment you rent. Renting and owning are two different things. And you don't invest in something that's not yours permanently. No one except me, I guess, pours those kind of resources into something you're merely renting. That's exactly what Jesus is warning us against doing with our lives and with our resources. He is graciously warning us not to invest in something temporary, fleeting and passing away. Or we will experience great loss. As hard as it is for us to see this, especially when we are young, as hard as this is for us to see, this is not our permanent home. Feels like forever, but it's not. We're just sojourning here a while and it makes no sense to drop the lion's share of your resources, your time, your money, and so on just to fix up this joint, this this world, as it were, so that you might enjoy it, so it might be nicer around you for a little while. You will lose that investment if you pour all of your resources and. To this world, laying up your treasures in this world, you will waste your life. I want us to allow this passage to do a few things to us today. I I want it to to remind us of what is important and what is not. And as we are reminded, I'm praying that God would put it in our hearts to believe it. Not just to, to say it, yes, I know this world is temporary, but to believe it. Believe in such a way that it shapes the way that you steward your resources, your time and your money and your lives. I want us to believe what Jesus is teaching in Matthew six nineteen through 21. I want to believe it. I want to live and invest like I believe it and allow this passage to so work in my heart that I take stock of where my treasures are and make whatever corrections I need to make. So I'm praying for you this morning too. So verses 19 and 20 are comparison of investment options. Verse 19 is option one. It's your earthly treasure option. Verse 20 is option two. It's heavenly treasure. Two options. One is obviously a very bad investment. The other one is a very good investment. So uh, since I'm talking about my financial prowess. Um, there was a time when I messed around in the stock market and I did not know what I was doing. So I had to ask people what to do. Um, and this is a long time ago, but I, I asked two guys and they told me two different companies. I, I was looking for stock tips, guys I knew were into, uh, into these kind of higher risk um, kind of things. and I, So one, one guy told me to invest in Apple. Okay. And the other guy told me to invent, invest in Lucent Technologies. Now, Apple Computer, Apple, you know, Macintosh, all that, they were losing the computer game, forgive the pun, to Microsoft at the time. I mean, this is hard for you to imagine, but there was a time when Apple was a dying company. Like, they were just, like, uh, Bill Gates was, like, bailing them out. Like, it was, it was just not working for them. They weren't doing well, and their stock was super cheap. And so I was like, all right, I'm in. I'll, I'll buy some stock with Apple. And a few months later, Apple launched their iPod. You remember that? It's like the precursor of the iPhone and iTunes along with it and the rest is history. The thing just like blew up after that. It, it skyrocketed. I sadly sold everything after it doubled once. You know? Yeah, feel that. <laughs> uh, the other guy told me to invest in Lucent Technologies. Have you heard of Lucent Technologies? Right. Right. They were at the top of their game. Their stock was expensive and they went belly up within a year. Horrible investment, right? Lost everything with them. So um, one was a good stock. It performed well. The other was a total flop. And the choice we have before us today, unlike stocks, has no speculation involved whatsoever. You don't have to think, man, will this take off or won't it? Will this pay back? Will this give dividends? Will this work or not? It's, Jesus makes it clear: one will, and one will not. Verse nineteen is the bad stock. Laying up treasures on earth is unstable, even if it seems stable. Because I know that's the that's the, that's the 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 lie of sin. It seems stable, right? Laying up treasures on earth is unstable, even if it seems stable. Moss, rust, they eat the treasure. Thieves steal it. It is insecure. It is unstable. And in the end, all earthly treasure will bottom out. That, you know, this, this passage isn't teaching or prohibiting kind of the wise stewarding of our finances. Okay? So we don't want to misread Jesus here. It, it doesn't prohibit savings accounts or saving for retirement or even investing in different ways. It's not a prohibition about, against having money or having a, a nice house or cars or whatever. It's not a prohibition about having money. The, the warning is against treasuring up treasures on earth. Treasuring up treasure. That's how the Greek actually reads. Treasuring up treasure on earth. like That's where your treasure is. Planning and preparing and saving, they're all good things, commended to us in the scriptures. You can go read Proverbs 6, for example, and see that. It's good for Christians to work hard and to wisely save money so that we won't be a burden on other people. Jesus is not warning us against responsible stewardship. But treasuring up treasures on earth is different, isn't it? It's not merely saving so that you won't be dependent on others in this life. Too dependent on others. Laying up treasures on earth is the pursuit of wealth for the sake of wealth. It's the pursuit of stuff for the sake of stuff. It's to have stuff. Selfishly accumulating money and stuff for your own pleasure. We are warned against that all through the scriptures, all through Jesus' teaching. He talks about it a lot. Paul talks about it. The pursuit of wealth for the sake of wealth, just to enjoy the pleasures of this world is completely the misguided direction that Jesus is warning us against. It's a real danger, and here's the thing: advise for your soul. Listen to the warning of this is in 1 Timothy six, six through ten. There's a huge warning here about this. Paul says, uh, "Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing, and we can't take anything out of the world." But if we have food and clothing, with these we should be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. By the way, it doesn't just say those who are rich, those who desire to be rich. You don't have to have money to be snared by this. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some, listen to the way this snatches our soul, that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. We need to hear the warning because we tend to, I think we blur the line between wise stewardship of our finances and stuff and treasuring up treasures on earth. Like we, we, we can easily blur the line of what it means to, to, like I'm gonna save responsibly so that my kids aren't burdened by me later to man, can't wait to get that RV on the road and just play a while. One is commended the stewarding of our finances well and one is condemned and it's easy for us to go from one to the other. Look again with me at what Jesus says about our earthly treasures. He, he stresses the fragility and the temporary nature of them. Moss and rust and thieves, they threaten our treasure. They, they, they show the insecurity of earthly treasures. The stock market can and does crash. Companies go out of business. Inflation makes money less valuable. Money has a way of flying away. If you put your hope in the accumulation of money or stuff or retirement funds or the supposed security of having strong enough finances or investments, you're investing in lucent technologies. And it's a losing stock. I love that he mentions moths here. Such a tiny little harmless bug. You know what I mean? Mush them in Siberia. I had this really cool shopka. you know what a shopka is if you, if you, If you think of Russians, you probably think of them wearing this this tall fur hat. Well I had one because I wanted to look Russian, and that thing made me look Russian. It was awesome so the thing with these they 're super warm they 're made of coyote or mink or all these different things, and you, you wear them on your head they're the tall they still wear them all the time out there um, you can only start wearing them in November, though. If you wear them before November, it's like, you know, you guys and your, your, your cowboy hat etiquette. There's, there's rules you have to follow, right? Uh, I had to follow this rule. I had to wait till November, which meant that you had to store this thing from, like, um, March, when it gets, starts to get warm, all the way to November, you know, and um, anyway, I had this really cool one, and I stored it somewhere, and one cold November morning, you know, I, I'm so excited I get to look Russian again. So I, I opened the place where I'm keeping it, and out flies moss. I hadn't looked at this thing in forever. The thing was destroyed. Like these nasty little moss had eaten it. My quickly put in a bag, and we had to get rid of it, so those moss were out the door. But um, Moss eats stuff. What Jesus is teaching us is how incredibly insecure earthly stuff is. Even moss can be a threat. Or worms, or fire, or water, weather. Lots of our treasures today are made of material that rusts. I love that he uses rusts here. It's so relevant, right? Like Lots of our things that we treasure can be made of material that rusts or corrodes. That car, camper, boat, or gun, or whatever. Looks nice one day, next day it's got rust. Things that rust or wear out or fall down. They're not worthy of our affection. Not worthy of our to be our treasure. And then there are thieves. People who will unjustly or unfairly take what you have. And you think, how could... Um, I, I knew this lady once who was into prepping in a very serious way. You know prepping. Um, she had stores of stores and stores of food, survival gear all through her house. She made her house. Like off grid capable with solar and all of that kind of thing. She she cashed in all of her investments. She had sizable investments. She cashed them all in and bought gold because she she was afraid that her investments would be worthless. Gold is tangible, you can hold it, it's heavy. And she wanted gold, so she did that. Um, and she, she did all these things. She stored up she did this for years, storing up everything, reading magazines about how to survive. And the reason, was, the, the reason why she, she did this is because she came come to believe that all, all the other investments were insecure. Like, society might one day collapse and there'd be chaos on the streets, supermarkets would be empty, money would be worthless, real estate deeds would be ignored, all these kinds of investments would fail. She wanted a, an investment that would last, that would, that would survive, that would hold so, I mean, in one sense, she wasn't wrong. All those others are kind of fragile, right? Those, those other kind of investments, they are fragile. As stable as our society is, they're fragile. And who knows, we might live to see the fragility of, of that. So she wasn't wrong on that score, but she had opted for an equally insecure investment. It felt secure because she could see all of it, right? She could see her stocks of food. She could see her gold. She could, she could, she could see all her preparations. She could touch it. And she thought on that day, when everyone else becomes poor, losing their earthly investment, she would have plenty. She would survive. One day we're chatting about this and I just asked her, I said, so what are you going to do when, when all these newly minted poor people find out that you have food in your house and they don't have any? I mean, she was like 80 pounds dripping wet. Was she going to be able to defend her her stuff? Was it really all that stable? Do Do you see what I'm getting at? These three things, moth, rust, thieves, I think they're representative threats. The point is the fragility and the insecurity of all earthly treasure. No matter what form it takes, as long as it's rooted in this world, it's insecure. That's the point. No matter how much you safeguard it and try to be wise and look, it's insecure just by nature of it being earthly. And I know why we do this, you know? We, 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 we look for those kind of investments because we want security. We fear insecurity. We fear insecurity for our lives. We fear insecurity. So we want to be secure and we think that those things, if we just had them, they'd make us secure. The promise and the appeal of earthly treasure is security. But Jesus makes it so clear here that that security is a lie. Earthly treasures are all, by nature, intrinsically insecure and fragile. Moths, rust, thieves, inflation, recession, depression, confiscation, aggression, drought, fire. We could go on and on with the list. We can compile a much longer list of real threats to earthly treasures. But instead, let me just mention the ultimate threat to treasures that are earthly. You know what the ultimate threat that prevents you from enjoying the riches that you store up here? Luke records a parable that Jesus told to warn us of that ultimate danger to earthly treasure. This is Jesus in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 20. So I want you to follow this man's thought because it's not far from our own. So the land of a rich man produced plentifully and he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink. Be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up for himself treasures, uh, lays up treasures for himself, and is not rich towards God. As the cliche goes, you you can't take this stuff with you. Even if you manage to keep the moss away or keep it from rusting or preventing thieves from taking it from you, one day you will lose it. And it might be a lot sooner than you think. I know it'll probably come a lot sooner than you think it will. And this is in total contrast to heavenly treasure. Treasures in heaven are secure, untouchable, never rust, never get eaten by moths. They are impossible to lose at the hands of a thief. The economy presents no danger to heavenly treasure, nor does time or decay. It is absolutely secure. And the biggest thief of all, the grave, cannot touch our, earthly, our heavenly treasures. Unlike earthly treasures, we don't lose our heavenly treasure when we die. On the contrary, because of Jesus's death for us in our place, because of his resurrection and his triumph over death, when we die at the end of our journey here, we come into full possession of our treasure. We don't lose it. We come into possession of it. That's the hope of the gospel, friends. Jesus died on the cross in our place. He made sufficient atonement for all of our sin. He rose again on the third day, defeating and triumphing that, over that old de- thief, death. Everyone who believes in him has a treasure in heaven that can never be lost. Everyone who trusts in Christ will have Jesus forever and ever. Heavenly treasure is therefore the only rock solid investment in this life. The only, the only, the only investment safe from moss and rust and thieves and death. I used to stop there as I was reading this passage. You know, i working this through, trying to understand, you know, back in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, really trying to understand what he's going on. I used to stop in my reading in verse 20 as if Jesus is saying that the only reason we should not treasure up treasures on earth and should treasure up treasures in heaven is because one is insecure and the other is secure. I'd stop there. And that, that's true enough. I mean, he does make that point. That's why I've been harped. That, that's a point in this text. One is secure and one is insecure. But if you stop there, you aren't reading carefully enough or maybe you're just not reading verse 21. Look at the reason. This is the reason. That four that verse 21 starts with, that tells you this is the reason. Look at the reason why lay, for not laying up treasures on earth. For where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's the reason. Your treasure governs your heart. Where your treasure is, your heart is. You can turn it around. Where your heart is, there's your treasure. Your treasure governs your heart. And if you put this together with what he teaches about the two treasures in verses 19 and 20, this is a very powerful warning. If, you treasure, if your treasure is earthly, your heart will be invested in something that will be destroyed forever. If and your heart will be there You can, you can see this in action later on in an event that happens and it's recorded in all of the Gospels except John. Um, it's not a parable. actually happened. Um, it's about a real man, historical. But you can see in this story the principle here in Living Color. So a rich guy comes to Jesus and he has a really good question. What, what must I do to have eternal life? That's a good question, right? And he went to Jesus. So points for going to Jesus and points for asking the right question. What must I do to have eternal life? At first, Jesus points him to the law of God and this man responds by saying he's pretty good. Do you remember this story? You know, like I've, I've done this. I, I've i kept these laws for my youth, Jesus. I, I do this. So Jesus presses in and shows him that he still lacks massively. Listen to uh, uh, Mark chapter 10. It just 21 through 22, just see how this man's treasure stole his heart away from Christ. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you like one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Possessions. You see, what, you see what his heart did? Eternal life was right before him. But his heart kept him from it. He was treasuring things of this earth. Jesus loved him. He wanted him to see, he wanted him to see this. But this man, he, his treasure was on earth and he would not have Christ if having Christ meant not having stuff. Jesus loved him. He wanted him to see this. He urged him to give up what he could not keep anyway, his fragile earthly treasure in order to receive and have and enjoy what he could never lose. The hope of Jesus Christ and, the li- and life with him forever, heavenly treasures. I mean, again, the man obviously thought highly of Jesus to come to him like this, but not high enough. He did not see Jesus as more precious than money. So the man went away sorrowful. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This man's heart kept him from Jesus Christ. And the tragedy, the huge tragedy is Jesus is better. It's not just a slogan. He is better. He is life. In him we have life. Let me ask you, friends, where is that man's treasure today? A real man, and he had real stuff. Where is that stuff today? Of course, he has long died. Likely, his many possessions that so ensnared his heart that he walked away from the savior of the world are now scattered to the wind he doesn't have those possessions today. He doesn't enjoy them. Probably no one in his family does. Unless that man later repented and it just wasn't recorded for us, unless that man later repented and turned to Christ, he is poor beyond measure today. He chose to hold on to what he couldn't keep and turn away from what he could never lose. And he lost everything. That's the danger facing us, friends. That's the warning of our passage. If we cling to this world, we will not have Jesus. And you will lose the world and you will lose Christ. You will lose. If you cling to Christ, you will have, you'll have to let go perhaps of things, but you will never lose Jesus. Jesus your treasure in heaven is secure. That's why it makes sense for Christians to live generously in this life, radically generously, radically sacrificial. It's it's why it makes sense to live sacrificially, to invest, steward our resources for the good of others and for the glory of God. This is why it makes sense for Christians not only to give out of their abundance but even out of their like even when it hurts to hold their stuff with a loose grip. This is why it makes sense for missionaries to go to the ends of the earth, leaving earthly treasure, even the prospect of it behind, and live and die in jungles and deserts and foreign cities and among poor, the poor. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all if your treasure is earthly But if you have a bigger perspective, it makes all the sense in the world. If you set your face to lay up treasures in heaven, this makes sense. As the missionary Jim Elliott famously said, and I've been kind of alluding to this quote for a moment here, but he famously said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me try to wrap this up in a very practical way. How, how, do we, how do we do this? How do we lay up treasures in heaven? And how do we know when we're laying up treasures on earth? And maybe some diagnostic questions could be helpful to that. And so here's, here's a stab at some questions that maybe you can ask yourself as you get before the Lord and you try to sort this out. maybe there's are some things you should take home today as you try to take this seriously in your life. I hope you do. I, I hope you feel the weight of the warning that's in this passage and you want to take this seriously. So here's some questions. What are some things that you have that you could not be happy without? Think of that rich man again, not to keep harping on him, but he basically said with his actions, if I don't have my great possessions, I could never be happy. If I don't have this, I can never be happy. What is it, what is it for you? A job, a bank account? A house? What are, you, what are you worried about losing? Here's another question. What are you worried about losing? I, I think it's helpful to evaluate our fretting. It's a helpful diagnostic. What is it that you fret about losing? What is it that keeps you up at night that you're afraid of losing? Fretting and worrying about earthly things. Maybe that helps us to see that we are treasuring up things on earth. What are you investing in now? Here's a great question. Real practical. What are you investing in now? As evidenced, and I don't just mean, I don't just mean money, but it is evidenced by your, by your bank statements and by your schedule and by things like that. What are you investing your life in today? And I don't, you know, it's helpful to think really big picture. Like, where's the direction of my life going? Where's the investment of my life going? But it's also helpful to think about today, right? Like, where's, what, where's my, the investment of my time today going? Earthly or heavenly? How do I spend my time? How do I spend my money? And I think when you put these things together, they might paint a picture. The picture might help us discern whether we are laying up treasures on earth or in heaven, whether we are stewarding our resources ultimately for the glory of God or whether we are hoarding them for our own temporary fleeting pleasure, pleasure in treasure that moths eat, rust destroys and thieves steal. Lastly, last question for you. Uh, When you consider... When you evaluate other people, and I know we do this all the time, when you evaluate other people and you think that person's successful and that person's a failure, what is your criteria? Like, what makes you think that that person's successful? Something earthly? Or something real and everlasting? Perhaps we have some divesting to do. You know, when you invest in something, you gotta divest in something. Maybe we have to divest in something so that we can invest in Christ. So maybe spend some time asking those questions as you try to apply this. What are you worried about losing? What are you investing in now? Not just your money, but money too. What do you invest your time in? What do you invest your free time in? What occupies your imagination? How do you evaluate others? Is there evidence in all these things that you are storing up your treasure in heaven and not on earth? What are you most excited about today? And then, you know, as you try to ask these questions, let me, let me get, I, I lied. I have one more question for you. Where were the answers? Like, you know, you have all these answers, you know? Where would those things be being 100 years? Unless you're like three, there's a very good chance you won't be here in a hundred years. Where will those things be? You won't have them anymore if they're earthly. Don't let your heart cling to earthly treasures. When your treasure is there, your heart will be there. You know, we have Jesus and we will live forever with him. That's what we should invest in. With all of our hearts, what will never pass away and what we can never lose. Do the evaluation. Turn to God by faith. Trust him to make the corrections that you need to correct. Believe him to shape your treasure so that your treasure is in heaven and not on earth. Let's pray. Lord, I I pray that... uh, I pray that that would not be lost on us today. I pray that we would hear what Jesus has taught us, what Jesus is teaching in this passage. And I pray that no one here would let treasures keep them from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.